comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe Hey everybody, welcome to the Long Box of Doom, episode 264. Uh, it's been a while, so we thought we would jump in with some comics BS. This is Russ, and I'm here with Jordan, Rich, and Jim. Hello. Hey, hey everybody, it's good to be back. Yes, it is. We're doing a podcast and not talking about TV. Hey. <laughs> what a novel idea. Lots of... Lots of uh, TV stuff going on, lots of craziness. Walking Dead's going to be starting back soon, so uh, it's it's the busy season at the HHWLOD Podcast Network. That is for sure. So we thought we'd sneak in some comics BS talk, because it's been a while since we just kind of talked about comics uh, in general without anything specific, as we've been continuing our journey through Hickman's Fantastic Four slash FF run all throughout 2014. So... Uh, what do you guys want to start with? Since since we've been dealing with uh, Fantastic Four and FF, do you want to talk about the news that I guess is confirmed for today? Can yeah, I might as well get that out of the way. I do want to talk about it, but I'd rather just ignore it and pretend it's not happening. But sure, let's talk about it. I so I guess the the official word is Marvel is going to be canceling uh, Fantastic Four, and this is the who's writing this? This is Robinson. Uh, is it Jason Aaron right now? No, was it's, Robinson. Um, James Robinson. Robinson. Thank yeah. you, they, James Robinson. Um, so this is after the Fraction run. Uh, we're into like the. I guess this is the second incarnation after Hickman ended his run of uh, FF titles. Correct. And so I guess it's it's ending sometime in 2015. I can't remember the actual issue number. Does the six forty five. So, yeah, that's right. They're going to revert to the old numbering, and they're going to end it with 645. A lot of speculation and talk about the fact that Marvel is crazy, and they don't want to do anything in any way, shape, or form that promotes the Fox movie of Fantastic Four. Uh, uh, Bleeding Cool is completely convinced that that's why this is happening. I I'm very skeptical. I think a lot of it is the book, critically doesn't seem to be doing that well like not a lot of people that we talk to and just in circle seem to like it the I think numbers I have four are... issues built up that I haven't read yet yeah and that's the numbers... with the fantastic four being a very interesting part of the avengers and new avengers right now and yes. even with that I still haven't read those issues I'm actually caught all the way up and I'm not impressed the numbers are down i mean it's it's in the lower i think it's somewhere around what 80 85 something like that of the top 100 books for the month, so it's it's probably selling somewhere at that range, probably what thirty thousand, thirty five thousand tops or something like that. Um, and I'm pulling those numbers out of my butt, so 
Uh, take they that said on the article I read that it was outselling some other books, uh, like Wolverine and the X Men, the Storm solo book, and some other things. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the like it's not down in the dumpster. No, but considering it's you know typically thought of as the flagship Marvel title, you know, it started the Marvel universe as we know it today. It's it's kind of always been, um, you know, the world's greatest comic that that kind of thing. I think I think it's just I mean. And Rich Johnston on Bleeding Cool kind of cited a couple sources. One of them was Mondo, uh, the the poster company. I don't know if you guys you guys are familiar with with Mondo posters. They're based out of Austin. Yep. Yeah, they're based out of Austin here, owned by Alamo Drafthouse. I've um, I've got kind of a crazy Mondo uh, thing. I've I've got a I've got several Mondo posters framed up on the wall. Um, and they're saying they're forbidden from using any Fantastic Four related material. Um, in their in their stuff, which a they they typically don't do a ton of pure comic stuff. I mean, their bread and butter is movie release posters and things like that. But when they said that oh, Mondo can't use any uh, Fantastic Four stuff, they just got through a very long series of uh, portraits. I don't know if you guys saw those a while back that Mondo did all those Marvel portraits. Were the, yes. they the ones in those silhouette? Nice. Yes, or not in silhouette, awesome. but what's not the, silhouette, what's but the profile? The profile. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, and it, I, I wasn't a fan of those because it seemed like the same face. They just put different masks and stuff on them. Like there really? wasn't a lot of variants on there. I like, but them. I, I like the collage few... versions I saw where it was every single version as one image. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we saw Dr. Doom and I think they had a Reed Richards and, uh, you know, there were several members of the Fantastic Four and, and Fantastic Four related characters that were done in those in those posters. So that's not necessarily true. I mean, maybe, and that was fairly recent. Well, pl- plus, um, a, a so lot maybe... of the, the pictures and images and everything we've heard about the new FF movie is telling us that they're not going to look like the FF in the comics. They're not going to be the FF in, in the 616 continuity. They're going to be a whole new take on the characters. So, I mean, they really wouldn't be promoting it by having an FF comic on the. So I agree with you, Ross. I take that, yeah. I take that with a huge grain of salt. Yeah, from my understanding is the only thing that's relatable in this new movie is the names. Other than that, it's going to be just a completely different creature as far as this movie's concerned, well, which makes me absolutely maybe. not want to see it. I mean, we don't know anything. I mean, that and that's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to suck. It's terrible. I can't believe they're doing this. We know nothing about this movie. We know the stars. We know uh, the names. And that's about it. We've we, we seen know no trailer. roughly what the thing and Doctor Doom look like, and they look roughly like their comic book counterparts. But that's about it. Yeah, we've seen no trailer. We've seen no costumes. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad movie. I'm just saying if it's not going to be the Fantastic Four, if they are going a completely different direction, a completely different story, having Sue be adopted by the Storms and all this other stuff, then why not just make a different movie? Why? The only reason that they're using this, this name to make whatever movie they're making is because they want to hold on to the rights as far as the movie studio is concerned. I, and, and to me... I mean, yeah, it might be a good movie, but it's not going to be a Fantastic Four movie, only in name. Well, I, I, I don't think we know that. I, I mean, we're basing it on casual conversations that these actors have said publicly. Which, I mean, every time somebody does a new superhero movie, they always say, "Oh, it's a new take. It's not like it was before. This is something different." We always hear those, you know, th- those same things. I mean, until I see a trailer and until I see 
something concrete. I, I'm not convinced that this is so far away from anything we've ever seen before. Is it going to be them in a rocket ship taking off and being exposed to cosmic rays? Probably not. Um, may it maybe it's it's closer to that of the ultimate FF. Who knows? Which is more what um, I've been hearing, which is already pretty different. So yeah, which. And again, you know, the versions of the Marvel, you know, the, the MCU stuff, the official Marvel stuff is way more has way more in common with the ultimate side of things than the non ultimate side of things. So, I mean, I like I said, I, I until I see a trailer and until I see more, I'm I'm not convinced this is this great departure that everybody keeps talking about. Well, I'm, I'm not convinced um, that, you know, Marvel is doing this to, to spite Fox or whatever. I mean. I just think it's basically, you know, they, they just want to refurbish the book and bring it back out stronger like they did with, you know, they've done this, I mean, this is the, the what, third, when they relaunch it eventually, it'll be like, what, the third or fourth number one in, you know, less than 10 years. Um, yeah. I mean, they did it with Thor, you know, they let they let it, you know, go away for a little while and then come back as, you know, with a strong idea and a strong creative team. Hopefully that's what they're doing here. Um well, can yeah. can we take a step back for a second? Because I don't think we've actually said what the rumor is specifically. Oh, true. Which yes. is, for anybody who doesn't know who's listening, uh, we don't want to leave you in the dark. The rumor is that there is a high-ranking CEO or whatever at Marvel. I Ike forget what his Perlmutter. name is. What, say again? Ike Perlmutter, yes. the CEO and head investor in Marvel. That is the name. Who basically has, this is the rumor, has a axe to grind specifically with Fox. He, apparently the relationship is much better with Sony but over their handle handling of the characters that they have licensed. And so as far as he's concerned, Fox is dead to them. When a movie's coming out, they're not putting out toys for those movies from Fox movies. They're not putting out the comics, um, you know, canceling FF is, is the, or F4 is the rumor here that they're doing it despite Fox, that they're killing Wolverine despite Fox, that they're doing all these different things despite Fox, whether you believe that or not, that is the rumor. So <laughs> now that we have that baseline, um, you know, I, I think my, frankly, my position is I don't really care. If that is true, that <laughs> seems really dumb. And not because um, of the reasons you might think. It's dumb because whether there's a Fantastic Four comic book on the stands or not is going to impact that movie so minimally as to not even be statistically significant. We know from from the numbers the movies do not affect the comics in terms of sales and vice versa, except extremely, extremely minimally. Um, what sells those movies is if it's got a good trailer and or good world of mouth. That's that's pretty much it. And, the only, you know, the only imp- so go, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. The only impact the movies have on the comics is the fact that if there's a first appearance based on that based on that movie, the comic speculator market goes wild. Right. Um, exactly. As far as the month the month to month regular issues, yeah, we don't see the needle move at all barely so if the rumor's true that's really dumb but even some of the rumors i've seen have said yeah but mr perlmutter is kind of a weird dude um yeah he's and apparently Pearl that Mutter. might actually be pretty true that he is a weird dude and only kevin feige can get through to him it's one of those weird horse whisperer type uh, rumors but uh, fantastic four is not very good right now so if they want to cancel it for story reasons or non-story reasons, it's only a story because there happens to be a movie coming out next year that people are weirded out about. You know, like we've already said, it's been canceled so many times the last few years and rebooted. Um, in the story, it makes total sense that the team would be coming to an end. It pretty much already has, at least as to where I had read up to and with Time Runs Out coming up and everything like that. There's already the rumors of the full-scale reboot, which I don't think are true either, but... You know, regardless of whether that's true or not, such big changes are happening in the Marvel Universe right now that for this book to end kind of seems to make a lot of sense to me. 
the other on that bleeding cool article, the other thing that he used as evidence was to say, well, there's this guy that's doing sketch cards and he was told specifically not to use any Fantastic Four characters. And that's fine, but is he the only one doing sketch cards? Are there other artists doing sketch cards? And if there are, were they also told not to use Fantastic Four characters? Maybe this guy was told not to use Fantastic Four characters because they already had other artists lined up to do sketch cards with those characters. I mean, not to say that that's true, but just because one guy that's doing sketch cards for a complete line that has many people doing sketch cards was told this doesn't mean it's true across the board. So I, I think... Rich was kind of taking a couple of those, like I said, uh, uh, instances and and kind of applying them with a bit of a broad stroke because specifically the rich who wrote the article, not the rich on this podcast. Yes, I'm sorry, Rich Johnson. Yes, I should I should specify. Rich, why are you making up these? Yeah, Rich. Yes, turn up the pot, buddy. Dang it! But yeah, it's it's just kind of funny. I mean, everybody's you know just kind of jumping on that bandwagon and. This is comics. We've seen this before. We don't even know at this point if when they cancel the FF, if the very next month there's not another book solicited out. Maybe it's not called Fantastic Four. Maybe it's, you know, something else. But, really, you know, Fantastic Force or, I mean, they, you know, we've seen many incarnations of that book in the past. So, I don't know. I think everybody just needs to take a deep breath. And, again, I don't have the attachment to the Fantastic Four like a lot of people do. I know... There's a lot of people that have been collecting it since, you know, it's a big part of their collection. It's their favorite comic. They're, they're very invested in that. So to see it go off the shelf, even if they decide to do like a Thor thing where they retire it for a year, two years, three years, or whatever the case may be, to retool it and bring it back, that that's a big deal to them. I mean, I would feel the same way if, you know, there, for whatever reason, there were no X-Men books on the on the shelf. Well, now you're just talking crazy talk, Russ. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I'm the I'm the guy you're talking about, though. I've been collecting uh, Fantastic Four since I think like issue 180. You know, when um, when George Perez was you know starting out on it with Joe Sinnott inks. You know, um, and it's been a big part of my collection. It's been one of my favorite teams when they've been done well um, over the years. And uh, I don't know. I'm okay with this, and it'll eventually come back stronger. Hopefully, with a, a good idea and a good creative team behind it, rather than just you know, having to let it languish in low sales just because, you know, just to publish it or whatever. And, you know, with the story stuff they have coming up, I mean, Sue Storm, you know, joining the Avengers and things like that, it makes sense, you know, that the team might need some breathing time away from one another before reforming, you know. Yeah, I guess I, I, I'm kind of feeling a bit emotional about it or just get taking it a little hard because, I mean, Fantastic Four has been a huge part of my comic collecting. Ever since I was part started reading comics, there were three things that I had to get every time, and that was Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, and Batman. And, you know, to see that that not be on the stands, it, it's kind of upsetting, as well as, you know, I have thanks to my dad, I have every single Fantastic Four issue going back to number one and, you know, to all the way to this last crappy one that was released, um, <laughs> I, which, I mean, I've been pretty insulted by, as a Fantastic Four fan, by this story that's been going on. It's not been horrible, but it just doesn't seem to really make sense. I mean... The whole, the Baxter building's been foreclosed on. Just everything that's going on is just, it's its kind of, I don't know, insulting is the only word I can think of. But, you know, not having Fantastic Four on the stands is, uh, I don't know, it's like ripping a part of my life away. Does that mean they're going back to Four Freedoms Tower? Right now, they're just all split up. Yeah. 
and in eight months they will continue to be split up. <laughs> <laughs> should we yeah. uh, should we transition to time runs out and eight months later? No, no. Okay, we can save that no, for I'm later. Kidding. I'm totally kidding. Well, I did want That's... to touch on because you said that uh, the the rumor is that that Pearl Mutter is the whole thing with Fantastic Four, but also the death of Wolverine. Um, I don't know about whether that rumor with him is true or not with the Fantastic Four. I don't think so with the death of Wolverine because I think this has been a long time coming. This is something that I think they've kicked around for years as far as doing this type of event with Wolverine. Uh, oh, I agree. I do have to say, though, that I, I've read the first two issues of the death of Wolverine, and I am i don't dislike it, but I'm not overly impressed. But I am kind of on board with them killing off Wolverine, at least for a little while, because it seems like a lot of comic creators nowadays, when they have like a transition issue or a one-shot they got to do between story arcs, they look for something to pull in. They always pull Wolverine in for that story or something. He's very much a crutch. A lot of creators and at Marvel lean on and not having him in the universe for a while might be a good thing. I'm going to pull my hipster uh, move right here and uh, say, I was a huge fan of Wolverine before it was cool to be a, a before everybody was a fan of Wolverine. Yeah, but you're like an, you're like uh, a, a an, an ultra fan of Wolverine though. He's like your favorite character overall, pretty much. He is. Yeah, he is, and he has been, you know, pretty much since I started reading comics day day one. So, I mean, I've got commissioned sketches and stuff like that hanging up on my wall, and I've got that ridiculous ass um, kill you. Um, if I set it on top of your chest, you'd probably stop breathing, uh, adamantium edition, that kind of thing. Um, and even I'm fine with him going away for a while. Like, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that they put him on the shelf for a bit because one of the things, as a fan of that character that I'm, that I've been upset about upsets, probably an exaggeration, but not happy with for a long time is, is he's way, way, way overused. Um, so, so, you know, having him go away for a bit, I think, I think probably will, um, be in service to the character as a whole. And in the meantime, X 23 can fill his shoes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to not see a Wolverine book on the shelf. I think they're going to, you know, just tell old stories and we're getting these weird legacy books and things like that. But uh, And I do have to tell you, you brought up earlier that uh, X-Men, uh, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men's numbers aren't doing so hot. And I can kind of see why, because that what when Jason Aaron was doing that book, that was like one of my favorite X titles. I loved it all the way through. And since it started, it's renumbering its new arc and everything. It's just not been that impressive. It's been more or less Wolverine and 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 Quentin Quire, however you pronounce his name, and uh, it it's not been that impressive. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Now, are you at all interested in the shall we say sequel series to Wolverine and the X Men that they've announced? Spider-Man and the X-Men? Exactly. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm I'm not one of those guys for the most part. I mean, when they make drastic changes to things just for the sake of change, sometimes that's a little weird. But I'm all for mixing things up a little bit to tell a good story. And all everything is temporary. Nothing is permanent. So if they can bring Spider-Man into that to that uh, universe, which he, he's he's always been closely tied to the to the mutant universe. Uh, in general, or or should be, I, I I'll say, um, I think being that it has it's it's kind of a school atmosphere that book is. Um, he's been a teacher in the past. Um, I I think I think it could be 
really, really well done. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how that, how that goes. And you know me, Jordan, I'm a fan of Spider-Man and anything. And <laughs> I agree with Russ is he's pretty relatable to the uh, mutant world. As a matter of fact, I think that they're kind of hinting at now that he only was able to take in the powers he did from the radioactive spider because he had a latent X gene that it, that it awoken or something like that. Um, is this, is so. this like when they tried to make Namor a mutant too? Do you guys remember that? Ugh. The Marvel's Ugh. first oh. mutant. The first right. mutant. Oh, first. Which is what happened was all that, man. Well, nowhere, right? Um, <laughs> I'm sure he still think, is. Yeah, but I think they've walked they've walked back on that big time, yeah. which to me is a blessing because I always thought yeah, that was too. dumb. <laughs> so, Jordan, you were you were going to talk about um, eight uh, time runs out, well, and we, sure. we cut you off. Oh, no, that's no problem whatsoever. So, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, in Avengers and New Avengers, Marvel's flagship Avengers titles right now, um, everything as of the two, uh, the most recent issue of each book has jumped forward eight months in time. So, after the upcoming Axis event, um, after all the solo books that are going right now, we are eight months in the future in that book, and we are going forward from there, and in eight months... Uh, it will be, well, I guess, seven months now, but it will be up to the point of the event time runs out. So uh, the Avengers and New Avengers books are in the future. All of the other books are catching up to them. So there's been a lot of big changes that they are now moving towards. And in in eight months or seven months, whichever it happens to be at this very moment or when you listen to this, um, that will be when we have our time runs out event, which, which will be the end of Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers. That will be the wrap-up finale of those two series. So have you have who of you have read the Avengers and New Avengers issues that take place eight months in the future? I have. I have. Okay, cool. So we're all on the same board. So I guess we're let's warn people we are going to spoil what's going to happen in eight months in uh, Marvel six one six universe, but what's happening currently in those books. So uh, what are the changes you guys like and or don't like? I guess in, in those two issues. There's not much I don't like. I mean, I'm, you know, as anybody who's listened to the show for a while knows, I'm a huge sucker for alternate future, time jumps, time travel, uh, things like that. So, to me, this is just, like, right in my wheelhouse. I have to agree. I, 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 I'm really kind of, you know, I, I'm in and out on different time jumps in comics. Uh, but with this being Hickman, um, I think he's writing it very well and, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, the, the Sue Richards thing I think is, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a spoilery thing here, but that's gotta uh, be my favorite one. (laughs) That reveal was awesome. Where is Reed Richards? Where is my husband? I like the, they're hunting down the Illuminati. I, I liked all the time jumps and alternate realities we've seen up into this as well, uh, where they, they went in the future yes. and then uh, future Hawkeye punched Iron Man in the face. So that was, that awesome. was like that was just like it was probably one of my comic moments of the year. Well, let's not forget future Groot, right? Or um, or look, or <laughs> there's also um the the alternate uh, universe they looked into that was very much like a certain uh, distinguished competition, shall we say? Uh, <laughs> yes, over New Avengers. Yeah, yes, yeah. But um, I I like what they've done so far. I love Sue Richards as a character, so seeing her here was great. And um, I'm I'm on board to see what's what's going on here. I kind of lost interest with Original Sin. 
it kind of fizzled for me like near the end, but I'm, I'm hoping. The event or the Avengers tie? The event uh, itself. Um, gotcha. But I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking more forward to time. Time runs out in Axis than uh, hopefully that. I like that a little better. I really enjoyed Original Sin, but I have to agree it did kind of end on a meh note, you know. But um, I think it's one of the better Marvel events we've had in several years. It started out at full speed, and then, like, the last three issues, it was, like, just throwing on its brakes the entire right. time. Yes. I still found it interesting, yes. but but the pacing of it was very strange. It seems strange. weird that yeah, a lot of the, the big events lately, they've been having trouble sticking the landing. You know what I mean? Like, I think of Scott Snyder and his stuff over at Batman. Like, he has these great ideas and sets them up, and then, you know, doesn't pay off in the ending. And that's kind of how I felt about Original Sin. I just felt like it was an excellent lead-up, and there were some of the ancillary titles as well were kind of interesting. But, like, Original Sins... Um, but really, I like some of that stuff. I, I seem to be the some only of it person was who really, liked all of it. <laughs> some of it was really good, and some of it was just really but, um, bad, the, in my opinion. Yeah, the first few issues of Original Sins was was good, and then it kind of, I don't know, it just, it just kind of went places that I, I didn't find all that interesting, but, or not as interesting as what we were getting in the ancillary titles as far as the, you know, Deadpool, Original Sin, right. Avengers, Original Sin, all that stuff. Um, but overall, I, I still enjoyed the event. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, like I said, it just didn't seem like they stuck the landing very well. It's kind of, like you said, uh, Chubb, it's like, meh, you know, meh type of, type of ending. I actually liked the ending. It was just the pacing yes. of those few issues right before the ending, which were weird. Not bad, just weird. Like, I liked what they revealed in them. I liked the stuff with uh, Nick Fury and and all that, and I like where he ended up and the orb and all that kind of stuff. I like the actual ending of it, but just getting to it seemed like a weird, weird trip. It could have been... I guess it was it was eight issues, and I think it could have easily been five. I kind of wish that they I had agree. made all of the Nick Fury reveal stuff its own miniseries, sort of like they did with Thor and Loki, the Tenth Realm, or the Iron Man versus Hulk, whatever it was called. Um, like it almost felt like it should have been one of that, like like a three issue. Here's what happens between issues five and six, and make it a you know a six issue event rather than an eight. I think that would have made more sense, but. Or have that stuff be the tie-in. Like, they could have picked, like, either Secret Avengers or um, or one of the other Avengers titles and did it there. Almost kind of like um, uh, like Secret Invasion style, you know, where, where all those tie-in books were. I actually enjoyed the tie-in books better than the main event because it told kind of all the stuff that's been going on leading up to to the invasion itself so the, the only thing i would say to argue with myself about making it its own separate thing and i guess arguing with you on this too is what i really loved about original sin was that if you didn't want to read any of the tie-ins you didn't right have to. i did appreciate true. that none of those tie-ins true. mattered in the sense of right. and, and i shouldn't say they don't matter they were all all the ones i read were actually really good but they were all original sin sending waves from original sin to those books and those books dealing with something that was probably already going on in their series um maybe with some more added in or, or just you know it depended on the book but nothing then impacted original sin if you just wanted to read original sin zero through eight or one through eight you were fine and putting that nick fury stuff in a separate book would have made that pretty important um so that would be my only argument against it but yet yeah, to pacing wise it was strange did yeah. you guys read the Deadpool original sin stuff? Yes. No. 
because I really enjoyed that. It's really set up a really good story arc that's going on in Deadpool right now about, you know, uh, when the eye exploded, they saw uh, Deadpool's daughter he didn't know he had and everything else. And it's just, it's really spun into a, a fun storyline. Um, of course, I've been enjoying Deadpool ever since they started it over at one when uh, Posehn and Duggan started taking it over. So, but it, that pull it, my it, finger joke at the end of the, oh, uh, the 90s issue was oh, hilarious. That's so funny. Uh, I've that, I've really been looking forward to every time a Deadpool issue comes out because it's just been fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to get back to Tom Runs Out real quick, just for a second, to say um, some of the big things that are happening in eight months. Well, uh, Cannonball has a baby now with uh, with uh, the current Smasher, um, and they're living on Hala, I believe, although they're coming back to yes. Earth. Uh, everybody from the Illuminati is on the run. Um the Avengers have been taken over by S.H.I.E.L.D. pretty much completely. They're all in, like, black and gray outfits and are hunting down the Illuminati. But the Illuminati have been usurped by the Cabal, which is the ones actually taking on the incursions and the alternate Earths crashing into ours. Um, and they're even falling apart. Like, everything's in so much turmoil at the moment. I'm loving it. Like, Amadeus Cho's been brought in, and I love yeah. how Hickman wrote him. He's part of the Illuminati now. We know pretty much nothing about them. The Molecule Man's back. Doom's taking a big role in the book. Um, which is awesome. And, the Molecule Man reveal was awesome. And now the question is, is that our Molecule Man? Because last I checked, he was dead, or is he a Molecule Man from an alternate universe? That's a good question. I don't know. I've I've honestly lost track of what the situation is with him. Yeah, he died, or I believe he died in Dark Avengers. Um, Sentry, like, willed him into oblivion or something like that. Um, gotcha. It was never entirely clear in that book, if I remember correctly, exactly what was happening with Molecule Man or Sentry, quite frankly. But um, what what other stuff is going on there? I mean, it's just it seems like it's just a few Avengers left. Uh, plus, we've got you know um, Sam Wilson Cap now. We've got old Steve Rogers. Uh, it was, I'm, I'm just really loving it. It's 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 so much of a I don't know what's going on, but in a good way that it's it's just keeping me right on the edge of my seat. Now, do you think this is really leading up to a complete Marvel reboot? No. No. Nope. I don't. I mean, not a chance in hell. To me, what they did no. with Marvel now with the with the few missteps here and there, but most of all, I think they've done a fantastic job. I'm I'm buying and reading more Marvel now than I have in years. So, uh, but a lot of people are saying, well, the Avengers stories are clearly setting up a reboot, but I I I don't think so. I, I could no. see it being the end of the Ultimate Universe. That would not surprise me in the least. Um, but I don't see it being a reboot of the 616. I mean, I'm sure some little elements here and there will be rebooted, like they always are. But that's about it. Or retconned, or however you want to put it. Right. But, um, I, I see the continuity as it is going on. A couple things. Uh, again, this is all very spoilery. So if you haven't read um, Avengers 35, especially... Uh, and and new Avengers twenty four, you're going to be pretty spoiled, but and confused. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with the ex Nihilo and all of his. Yes, which I was thrilled to see them coming back. Yeah, and it sounds like they're kind of up to no good, and we're not really sure what's going on with that. But um, and then the other thing, one thing I thought was cool is I love bearded, long haired Hyperion. Yes, right. Um, and this is a big spoiler for Thor. Um. Something I was slightly disappointed with because I thought I, I like the mystery behind it, but we see that Thor um, has a fake arm. Like we see that he has 
Well, it's the um, Destroyer arm again, isn't it? Uh, I'm looking back at it now. Yeah, because that was in the, on the future yeah. Thor's arm in Aaron's run, it, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, this doesn't look like the Destroyer arm. Um, and just looking at the panel that I see. You were hoping he was just going to be armless? No. I, what I was hoping was is that the whole future Thor with the Destroyer arm was just this mystery. Like, we would... I'd, I I would have liked for it not to have been explained. Oh, okay. Like, like we don't know why he has this destroyer arm, but it's awesome, and we'll never know why. Like, I, I was totally fine with not knowing how he got that destroyer arm, and I thought it was going to be, like, sometime way in the future. Um, so seeing that they've uh, they've pulled that forward is, is a little bit of a disappointment to me. I mean, definitely not turning me off the book or anything like that, but... I would have just preferred to to been just one of those things where, oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff for us to find out in, in eight months later and time runs out and everything just because we've only had one issue each. And, like, the new Avengers issue focuses mostly on Doom and the Avengers issue focuses mostly on just a few characters, including Amadeus Cho, who we haven't even seen in the Hickman run at all up to this point. Let me... Let oh, me... So, um, uh, the one thing I forgot, Sunspot... Sunspot now owns AIM. Yes. That was huge. And uh, like, yes. oh, that makes sense. That's kind of cool. Very interesting. Uh, I'm going to read from the last page, or the last two pages. Of Avengers? Of, of Avengers 35, because this is really cool. So, S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up, and everybody's in this black and white uniform. So, we have Captain Marvel, we have Carol Danvers, who normally has that very colorful yellow, red, um, and, and white costume and it's all black and white we have hawkeye we have war machine um we have somebody in a helmet that as we've talked about earlier is is sue storm and we actually have but, like three war machines yeah that's what we? i was saying mention. yes there three, yes three different war machine armors yeah so they're asking amadeus cho where tony stark is and it's the new uh iron man that we've heard about where he's got the his armor's white and it's the uh Superior Iron Man version, I guess, if you will. So she asks about Tony Stark. Then she asks about Doc Green, and it's an image of the Hulk, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Hank Pym, who is in the Yellow Jack, back in his Yellow Jacket costume. Um, and then they're looking also for Captain Britain, Doctor Strange, uh, Beast, Black Panther and um, Black Bolt, which again, you know, we—they're looking for the Illuminati, but I, but I thought the changes were a little interesting in that they added, you know, in quotes, Doc Green, which is the Hulk, uh, Hank Pym, and uh, Captain Britain, who haven't really been a part of the Illuminati. Well, Hulk was as of Avengers thirty. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. They did bring him in at the end, right that's before right. the the Battle of Squadron Supreme, or not Squadron Supreme, the um the Great Society. Right. That you are correct. Um, but anyway, it was just really cool. Um, and I like how uh, Susan has the old S.H.I.E.L.D. style logo on her chest on yes. her uniform. It's like the bird, um, the old bird, not the angular new one like from the movie that we see. All the, the back time, of a quarter so. bird. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it was just, I mean, that issue was just awesome from top to bottom. I mean, just, I mean, the art, the writing everything i mean it was just it was really 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 well done i was uh, man it was just so good and it had four different pencilers i mean it had jim chung paco medina nick bradshaw and dustin weaver and it kind of weaved in and out amongst four different stories so it, it it the having those um guys do the art made 
total sense. I mean, the the sunspot and um, and Cannonball stuff was done by Nick Bradshaw, who's done a ton of uh, of X Men related stuff. Um, and it looked like I think Weaver was doing the uh, X Nihilo stuff. Anyway, it's just it, and Chung obviously is doing the the Sue Storm uh, Shield uh, related stuff. But anyway, it's just it's a it's a pretty book to look at. Like most of the Hickman stuff, you know, we talked about it many, many times when we did Infinity, but um, he, he's just gotten top-notch talent across the across the board with these with these Avengers books. So, have you guys read Avengers World? Yeah, I've been enjoying that as well. I'm actually hoping Nick Spencer takes over when Hickman's done. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a pretty good mix of the big ideas of Hickman um, and the more character work of Bendis, but not as uh, chatty's maybe the wrong word, but the, the characters feel more identifiable just by what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and it's been very fun. A lot of cool ideas. And it's also cool to see, you know, the two sides of the aim coin with aim being kind of, they were the major villains up until the end of this last arc. Um, and now it's focusing on Morgana Le Fay, I guess, but uh, just a lot of really cool different things going on it. Jim, have you have you read the latest Avengers World? No, I'm I'm behind on Avengers World. The last one I read was the one with Shang Chi versus the Gorgon, so I'm way behind. Yeah, that was like a yeah, there is. Four. <laughs> I won't spoil it, but you've got to read uh, up to issue thirteen because there is something with Shang Chi. I won't spoil it, but between Madri- what they reveal about Madripoor, <laughs> and there's something that happens at the very end of issue thirteen with Shang Chi that will just have you go, "What the hell?" It is. Um, um, I've just I've just been reading Avengers amazing. and New Avengers and occasionally Mighty and World when I when I have extra money, which isn't very often. So. <laughs> now yeah. I don't want I don't think I'm talking about the same thing you are because I don't want to spoil the reveal for Jim, but them bringing back a concept from Hickman's Shield book, um, which there's been a lot of stuff from Shield and Secret Warriors in there. It's, which is it's awesome. funny you mention yeah. that because but, um, I, I just but I Spear, scored the uh, the hardcover for a, uh, Hickman's uh, Shield the first six issues just so I just reread it uh, last week. Russ actually gave me that for Christmas last and, year. Uh, there's, <laughs> and it's great. I, did, yeah. I just bought that at Half Price Books this weekend. That's where I found <laughs> my copy, too, was at Half Price Books. But uh, there's so many things I'm seeing in there, like, wait a minute, that was an Avengers. And it just makes me wish I had oh, yeah. had one of those Tony Stark computers where I could just throw it all up, you know, on a big hologram and, like, so I could make a giant cross reference out of everything. Out of the toolkit. So. Um, but the, the, rev- the introduction of uh, Spear was awesome because I was like, oh, are they seriously doing this? Yes, they are. You know, love it. Yes. Love love everything about what's going well, on. Doesn't the book. spear lie in the east and the shield lie in the west or something? Yes, the spear definitely lies in the okay. east. And uh, <laughs> if you want to think of uh, eastern superpowers, well, they would be the ones with spear. And, and it's even cooler than you might think it oh, would be. Cool. And this is all going on in Avengers World. All going on yeah. in Avengers. Because I have the only Avengers I've been reading are Avengers and New Avengers. Yeah, me so too. I haven't really been. I mean, this is de- it... definitely the tertiary book, right? You know, gotcha. it's not as important, quote unquote, but it's a ton of fun. So, who's next? Did you guys uh, speaking of uh, things going on in the Marvel universe? Have you have you read uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Are you caught up on that? I'm woefully behind. Unfortunately, I'm caught up, yeah. and uh, I also got that Guardians three thousand with the original Guardians. No, I haven't. Yeah. I bought it. I yeah. haven't had a chance to read it yet. I started, and then I forget what happened, but I never got a chance to finish it. 
Now, I, I'm not as well-versed in the cancer-verse as some of you might be, but the... So you're about as well-versed as Bendis is, apparently? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out this only inhabitants of the cancer-verse can die, no one else can die. If you die, you instantly regenerate like some video game. Uh, so to give people background, uh, the, the current... Guardians of the Galaxy arc is the quote-unquote original Sin tie despite the fact that it literally has nothing to do with original Sin. Um, but it's quote-unquote answering the question of how Peter, Drax, and Thanos are back in the 616 and what happened to uh, Richard Ryder Nova, uh, all of whom were dead or trapped in the Cancerverse at the end of the Thanos Imperative, and then three of them were just back when Bendis' Guardians started. Well, I guess technically before that in um, Avengers Assemble. But uh, I've I've been a Bendis, not apologist, but I've been saying the book's not great, but it's serviceable and fine up until the most recent issue where I went, has, did he never even read Thanos Imperative? Because none of this makes the slightest amount of sense. Number 19. Yeah. Like, even the first issue was okay uh, of this original Sin arc, but the second one was baffling in how little His explanation doesn't make sense in light of the other books. I've I've been trying to keep up with the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy with Bendis writing it too, and I just I don't know. It's not it's not as good as Abnett Landing, obviously, but um I don't think he I don't think he understands the, the Cancerverse because he doesn't explain it as well as they did in like Realm of Kings, War of Kings. Well, he explains it yeah. contradictorily. It's like he didn't read the book, but he had a page at Marvel read hit read that book and then text him right. the bullet points, yeah. and he went from there. Because characters are, like, Peter tells Gamora several things to which she reacts, that's not possible, except she was there to view them personally in the Thanos Imperative, or the Revengers show up, except the fact that they all died a very permanent death in the Thanos Imperative. But they explain as, oh, the the Cancerverse, except the whole point was that they broke that, except now the rules are reversed Because they brought the Death's Avatar Uh, to the Cancerverse, but now, I mean, that is all eliminated. I mean, that doesn't make... Yeah. yeah, none yeah, of it makes any sense. Me. It is. On the other hand, me. Guardians three thousand—they're taking the original Guardians of the Galaxy, the ones in the year three thousand. You know, Vance Astro, Martin X, Charlie Twenty Seven, those guys, and trying to pat, put that kind of Abnet and Landing uh, dialogue on top of them, and I don't think it works as well because they were always. There's way too much future slang from the yeah, few pages just... I read. Like Who's every other word, trying to give it that tone of like the movie, you know, or of the Abnett and Landon Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, that lighter tone or whatever. And it, I don't think it works as well for those characters. Plus, the the artist that they have on it, whose name I don't have in front of me, but uh, kind of reminds me of Joe Mad, and I, I was never like a big fan of the anime toony style. So, I actually thought it was him, or or uh, yeah, it seemed like yeah, or Humberto until Ramos. I looked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, this is somebody it, different. I kind of like that style. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't bother me, but it, it definitely Gerardo does. Sandoval. But, yes, uh, that's what it was. It's written by Abnett. Yeah, it's it's, written I just, by Dan I Abnett. Do, yeah, it is by Abnett, but I just don't think it's it, it's up to the snuff of his other stuff, or I don't think these characters fit with that kind of dialogue. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I grew up with those characters, so I'm kind of close to them and stuff, so who knows. Your, your mileage may vary. I mean, like I said, I only read a few pages before I got distracted by other things, but... The only thing that really bothered me in it was the overuse of it, at least in my opinion, of the future speak. Um, the characters seemed fine, um, and I have very little, you know, history with the original Guardians team, um, except really what was from the the, the Guardians uh, run up by Abnett Landing, which was kind of alternate versions of them 
um, a bunch of different alternate versions of them, but it was fine except for yeah. that future speak, which was weird. Welcome to the Marvel Noise Podcast. I'm your host, David Price. <laughs> Speaking of, so are we... Are we ready to move on? Oh, also, Rocket Raccoon has been splendid, and the Legendary Star-Lord book have been pretty fun. So, if you want to read Guardians books, maybe check out those two first, then 3,000, and then normally don't even bother with what's currently going on in Bendis' book. But anyway, you were saying, before I cut you off rudely. No, no, no. Um, so, in, in order to not be branded with the Marvel... Um, marvel stigma too much um have you guys been reading future's end um i have avoided it i i because I, I i i i started to read the future's end the the actual run that came out was it may or june and i quickly didn't find anything appealing about it um this whole month of the future's end number ones uh was not something that I picked up other than I did pick up the Harley Quinn futures end number one, which the story in that really didn't have anything to do with futures end. My DC uh, buying is, is um, it's weird. The only like in continuity book I'm buying right now is Batman eternal. Me too. Um, and I'm behind on it by about, I mean, I have them. I just haven't read like the last six. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm behind like one issue on Batman Eternal. But I've been reading uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, which is starting year three by Tom Taylor and various artists uh, digitally. And that book is awesome. Um, I've been reading Earth 2, you know, another ancillary, you know, DC book. Uh, but all their, like, and Astro City. But like all their main uh, like DC fifty two books, I really haven't been you know, delving in on. I've heard rumblings recently that they it looks like they're going to have another reboot uh, or another timeline or whatever. But uh, honestly, the best thing I've read from DC lately has been uh, Morrison's Multiversity. Um, talk about alternate timelines and and uh, and messing with uh, you know mixing and matching characters, uh, Russ. I mean, you you should really check it out. The first issue was kind of setting the the tone for everything. The second issue was an alternate take on the DC characters. It was um, it was almost like a pulp hero take on uh, Doctor Fate, where he's almost like Doc Savage, uh, with the Lady Blackhawks and uh, Vandal Savage is a hero called Immortal Man, uh, and they're fending off uh, an attack from an alternate universe or you know an alternate Earth or whatever, of uh, of another version of Vandal Savage and uh, and other versions of, of like the DC heroes and. Uh, and villains, and it's just really, if you have, like, if you're into that kind of thing, I know Russ is, I know I am, I you know, I really like that kind of alternate timeline, alternate world, or whatever, but the second issue of Multiversity is called Society of Superheroes, or SOS, and it's got a real, like, Doc Savage feel to it, and uh, the the art, I think, I think it's Chris Sprouse, but um, really good stuff, I'm, it's like the best Morrison thing I've read probably since this JLA. I was gonna say it's it's probably the best Morrison's put out in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Time. I've really and like the, the 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 first issue is just hilarious and great. They um the it sets up the the storyline for the rest of the the series. You know, the the multiverse is being taken over by this you know like numbing uh you know dark entity, and so you know Nick Wotan sends this one guy, the Thunderer, who seems like a like an Australian version of Thor almost. Uh, to gather heroes from you know, the 52 worlds, we get like, uh, you know, um, a Superman that looks very much like President Obama, uh, Captain Carrot, uh, you know, all these different alternate takes on these heroes and stuff. And uh, 
it's super cool. I, I, I love it. And it's just like a lot of thought into it and stuff. And it's, uh, it's, it's Grant Morrison being Grant Morrison, but not too much. So, you know what I mean? Like sometimes he gets a little carried away with himself. Uh, these, this is really, uh, really well done. The first two issues are out now, but you, you don't have to be on the same mind altering drugs. He is when he writes. No, it to no, read. no, no. And, <laughs> um, and I have to say, I had to do a double take when Captain Carrot showed up. That was, and it was so funny because when that guy like attacks him and like tries to destroy him and he just comes back, bounces back. He's like cartoon physics, bitch. You know, that was, that was, <laughs> that was great, man. I, I just, it was awesome. Yeah. There's so many good moments in that book. And then, uh, the second issue, like I said, with that society of superheroes, um, that, that kind of pulpy take was like really sweet for Dr. Fate and, uh, and the Blackhawks and stuff. So I'm, I'm totally on board. I'm really enjoying it a lot. And I don't know if you mentioned it, but the art is oh, gorgeous. Man. Yes. Yes. I should mention that. The art is gorgeous. <laughs> uh, I think Ivan Rise did the first issue, right? And the second issue, yes. I think, was Chris Sprouse. I'm going to look that up, though. I'm pretty sure it was Chris Sprouse. But, um, yeah, the art is great. The story is really cool. Um, I really need to recommend Injustice Gods Among Us because I really enjoy that quite a bit. Tom Taylor's been writing a really good story over there. It's almost like uh, uh, the Ju- the Justice Lords uh, episode of the Justice League cartoon where the, you know, this Superman, you know, Joker killed Lois Lane. So Superman has kind of gone over the deep end and put like a totalitarian fist down on, on you know, the earth to make everything, but he's safe and stuff. And uh, uh, Batman is leading the um, resistance. And yeah, it is Chris Sprouse during the Art of Society of Superheroes. I just looked it up. Um, but I, I really recommend that. It's digital only. And they're just starting year three. And there's a really good recap on the first issue of uh, in, uh, Injustice uh, Gods Among Us year three, if you want to catch up. So um, definitely you know, that on the DC side. And I've been digging Batman Eternal quite I, a bit. I read it. I'm the point I've read up to in Batman Eternal has been enjoyable. I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, as far as like all the stuff going on with Gordon and everything, it's been really yeah. good. Um, the only other DC books I've been reading is the Batman title proper, except I didn't pick up Future's End number one, because again, I don't really care. Um, and uh, the Harley Quinn. That's That's about all the books I pick up. Oh, and Batgirl. And I'm looking forward to reading the new Batgirl. I haven't. I, is that this Wednesday? I think so. I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. On the top of my head. I don't know. It's it's close. So, but um, DC has really turned me off to a lot of their books, and I kind of hope that the rumors of them going towards uh, retconning and rebooting certain things uh, is true, especially if there there is rumor that there's possibility of breaking the Wildstorm characters off into their own DC universe, so to speak, instead of having them in the main like the universe, way they, which would be fine. Like the way they have them before. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, because, um, yeah, there, there's, we, we gain nothing. Well, it's there. funny because that was nothing. one of the big things in the New 52 that Lee wanted was, you know, the Wildstorm characters integrated into the DC universe. And now they're, now well, they're doing sure. a 180 on that. It's kind of, so, Russ, you sounded like you had something to say about Future's End about a half an hour ago. <laughs> no, I, I did read Multiversity, um, and it, it was okay. There's some stuff that I really liked, and there's some stuff that was, to me, just Iroly Morrison stuff. Um, you know, the whole, like, 
commanding the ship, which is like a yellow submarine with Superman's singing voice thing. Like, just that stuff is just like, I don't understand. Like, why? Like, I, I, just, I just don't get that stuff. It's just so far, far out there. And then the whole, it's, it's somebody reading a comic that's actually the story. You know, it's like, well, I mean, it's the, it's the typical Morrison writing a story been, about yeah, stories. Yeah, but this I mean, been a that's been like, in the DC universe for a long time. That one, you know, alternate Earth, you know, comic book is another Earth's reality. I mean, that's like the the, the original conceit yeah, of Earth One I mean, and he Earth took Two it, and Brian, you know, Earth Prime. Yeah, but it's like he took it like further uh, he just he just extrapolated even further i, I don't know they, where morrison loses me is and this is just my opinion and i know i'm i'm in the minority but i think he tr- where alan moore is clever and when you read alan moore for me you could read it straight and it's like completely fine everything makes sense you just kind of read through it and it's cool and then if you want to dig deeper and reread and and peel apart those layers there's a lot there with morrison I feel like he's being clever just to show how clever he is. That that's my perception of most of his work. Not all of his work, but most of his I work. I kind it's of like, agree with see that. See how see how clever I am and how I could layer all these things in here and come up with the crazy idea just to come up with a crazy idea. Like I wish he would just tell more of a straight story. And I think that's why I like things like uh, I like his JLA run. I liked I mean even All-Star Superman was kind of out there, but it wasn't it wasn't so out there that it 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 had that feel for me, but, um, but it's okay. I'm, I mean, I'm going to stick with it just cause again, it's, it's stories about these alternate earths. It's, you know, it's, you know, crazy timelines and stuff like that. So I, I am intrigued by a lot of that stuff. And there were a lot of things in, in that first issue of multiversity that I thought were really cool. Um, did you and, read the second book? Uh, issue? Oh, okay. Not that, yet. That, I'm, I'm a little bit behind. Thought, I've been trying I to really catch up on, a lot more. on. I'm a big fan of Chris Browse to begin with. I mean, you got Lady Blackhawk and Lady Shiva having a knife fight on parachutes as they fall into the ocean. It's just like real, like thirties, forties pulp style. I really liked it a lot. So I liked it more than even than the first issue. So I understand what you nice. Future's End has been awesome. Like I am all in on Future's End. Um, it you know what it feels like? It feels like fifty two. Like if you. You know, we were pretty big and all in on 52 back when it came out. And it just really feels a lot like 52 where um, each, you know, there's multiple writers. I mean, it's Azarello, Giffen, Jurgens, Lemire, and Zercher. Um, actually, I think Zercher's doing the art. I'm sorry. Um, but those guys are doing the writing on it. And each one has their own story that they're telling as a part of the, the main story. Um and so the you know we weave in and out of characters you know where we'll go four or five issues and not not touch on to certain characters and then we'll go like two issues in a row where they're they're spotlighted um and there's a lot of cool some of them are drastic changes with w- what we know of the new 52 some of them are a little more subtle uh there's like a mystery as to who the superman is of the 5 years later arc because he uh, he wears the S, but he doesn't have the cape, and he wears this motorcycle-looking helmet thing, and, and there's a really cool reveal as to who that is. Uh, they, they brought in the Terry McGinnis Batman Beyond uh, into this five-year-later uh, thing, and it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's it like I said, it just when you read it, it makes you really think of 52, and just a lot of the same storytelling methods they used in 52, they're using in Future's End, um, and I'm really curious to see 
where they're going with that. Um, and uh, Grifter plays a really big role in what's going on with Futures Animal. Oh, There's God. this whole... But it, it's actually really well done. Um, I've, um, I have whole... never liked the character Grifter. To me, he's just an amalgamation of other characters from the main two that just... Uh, I've never been a fan. I, I've never read any Grifter before, um, Futures End, to be honest with you. And this is Grifter like without the mask and... Uh, actually most of the guns and, and, and any of that kind of thing. He's he's mainly there because he can see which um, people are from our Earth and which one are from the Earth to Earth because that's like a big... Uh, the big thing with Future's End is the Apocalypse War came to Earth 1 and a lot of the Earth 2 people encroached on Earth 1. So there's this whole thing going on between who's a real Earth Earth 1 person and who's an Earth 2 person um, and they've locked up like all the superheroes, anybody with with superhero powers that are that's from Earth Two. They're all on this island prison, and they're all being locked up. And then there's this whole thing where you have to have this identity card to prove that you're from Earth One and not from Earth Two. There's a lot of really cool concepts in there. Frankenstein, um, and older Ray Palmer and uh, Amethyst are out in space. It's it's just really well. You just done. sold me right there. So is it kind of Secret Invasiony? Yeah. Uh, no, not not. I don't mean really in a see. negative way, but just in like no, the, no, no, no. Are these people really who they say they are? Type Earth One, Earth Two type deal. No, they're not really. It's not like one of those deals where you know a main character that's that's posing is. You don't have issues where people think that the person next to them may be their Earth Two counterpart and not their Earth One counterpart. It's more just. It's almost like if you kind of extrapolate it to like post nine eleven. You know, security conscious, you know, making sure people, you know, now you need a passport to go to Canada and to Mexico. It's kind of that, you know, if you if you kind of pull that into into like the new 52 and extrapolate that, not just between like different countries, neighboring countries, but neighboring dimensions. OK, um, do they have so it's not like I said, do it, they have Supergirl locked up on this island then? They have Power Girl uh, locked up on that island. That's what um, I meant. The Earth Two Power Girl, Power is, Girl, it, because she she's yeah. from Earth Two as well as yep. Wayne's daughter uh, from yep. Earth Two. Hell, yes. Uh, so there's all these characters that are locked up uh, in this prison, and that's like a big big part of it. Uh, Michael Holt, uh, Mister Terrific, plays a big part in it. His company is like a big thing now, like like Wayne uh, Luthor level big, um, and he's uh, he's launching these a new version of his T-spheres and apparently that combined with brother eye is like the big kind of the big looming thing and then they've even kind of brought brainiac into the fold but it it's really well done i mean it's like i said i mean i i know i've said it like 12 times already but it has a real 52 uh vibe to it just in in like if you like that type of story uh, telling and pacing and just the fact that 52 took place in real time this one appears to kind of take place in real time too when you go you know when they when they don't touch on a group of characters for like four issues it's it's been like four weeks um so there's a lot of that kind of thing going on too and it's you know it's just really cool to see what's happened to uh, you know some of these characters you know and how they've you know like the titans have been totally killed but there's this guy um uh uh, Tim Drake is kind of undercover. He, he owns a bar and has a beard and stuff like that. It's it's just really, um, it, it it's really cool. Like I said, I can't. I mean, as much as I as we bag on 
DC's new 52. I, I think what they're setting up with this features end thing has it's just been really well done. Um, now the one shots have been very hit or miss. Um, I've been I've been picking up some of those and I've read a bunch of them. Um, some of them are really good and some of them are just like head scratchingly bad. Um, now I haven't read it. Did you read Booster Gold one shot? Yes. Because I heard that one's head. I heard that one's a head scratch. The end of it that makes you really think that they are. Yeah, about that's to what I was referring to stuff. before. But I don't. I don't know. I haven't read it though. It may maybe. I mean, yeah, they make you think that the Booster Gold in that book, or one of the Booster Golds, I should say, is the bo- is the pre New Fifty Two Booster Gold, and it's possible. Um, it could just be it's a different. Because they make they make a point of saying that Rip uh, Rip Hunter and he are um, basically outside of time, so it's it's a possibility that you know kind of like when Superboy, Superman, and Lois Lane, the Earth Two, and 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 Prime counterparts uh, pulled themselves out and kind of were in that pocket universe watching everything. Maybe that's what Booster and Rip Hunter have been doing. It's it's possible. I don't know. It's it's very confusing. Like I had to read that book twice yeah, that... to figure out what the hell was going on. And it leaves things very ambiguous, which I'm assuming that it's going to pick back up in in Features End, or at least well, that, I hope that, so. That page that Rich is referring to or whatever, with all those different images and stuff from the old 52 or whatever, uh, looked very much like that pocket universe. You know, like the different images from different yeah. you know, fragmented storylines or whatever, so... Yeah, it's real weird, because he keeps, he keeps bouncing around. And he he has no control over it, and it's really confusing him because normally he can, you know, they have a little more control over when and where they go, and he seems to be being bounced around with without his without giving, uh, you know, basically without any control, uh, and it's it's really confusing him. Uh, but it's it's that was one of the better ones, and like I said, I hope they 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 picked it up. The Grayson one was pretty good. I, I like what they did with that. This the storytelling was really interesting with that. It it was told in reverse chronological order. So it starts out five years later and it goes all the way back to like when he was Robin, uh, like one page at a time. It's like every page is, is a jump backward. It's almost like a, uh, like memento. It's like told like memento. Uh, so that was pretty good. Um, and a couple of the other ones are, like I said, some of the Batman ones are more missed than hit. Um, you know the but but a couple of them some of them were, were actually pretty decent but but yeah anyway i i can't uh recommend it enough it's 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 really really well done well i'm looking on ain't it cool news right now and they, their first story is a preview for future set number 23 and just the uh the short blurb for it discover what the victorious brother i has in store for joker 35 years from now will he go down laughing that has me kind of interested yeah, it's it, it, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the whole conceit of it is um Batman, you know, it starts 35 years. I think it's 35 years from now or 40 years from now. And uh Batman needs to go back in time to prior to the current um timeline of of the new 52 to stop some to stop Brother Eye from from happening. And so he calibrates this this time this time machine to make it work and just as he's about to go in um, he's attacked and injured and can't do it. Um, so he sends Terry through the thing to do it. Well, because Terry's body mass is different than Bruce's, it slings. He doesn't go back quite far enough, and he ends five years from now uh, in the new fifty-two. So he's he thinks he's he's and his he has Alfred as like his internal AI, almost like his Jarvis in his suit. 
Um, and so they realize they're too far. They didn't go back far enough, but they're still trying to prevent things from being as bad as they were in his in his timeline. So so that's kind of like this. Um, that's where it started, and they've they've kind of gone away from that for quite some time. Like we'll go six or eight issues and not see uh, Terry McGinnis at all, and then uh, they'll kind of recap us of what he's been doing for like the past six or six or eight weeks, and he's been kind of building his own crew and you know trying to to you know basically become this. Uh, uh, you know, v- vigilante, um, you know, anarchist kind of kind of guy while he's here. So, um, like I said, if you get a chance to get caught up on it, I I I recommend it. Dang it, Russ! Now I got to go back and read them. Yeah, because I when it first came out, just the first couple issues, it just didn't catch. Yeah, me. I read that free comic book day issue. And I wasn't impressed by that. It just seemed like the Terminator with Batman Beyond plugged in. So, I'll give I'll give another check. I'll give right. another count. Yeah, it, it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I I can definitely see where that might not be your your thing. But like I said, when, once they actually get to the five years from now period, it it gets a lot more interesting. Now, getting away from the big Sweet. two for a minute, have do any of you read yeah. Saga? I'm way behind. I do. I'm behind though. I read it in trade. Oh, it's so good. It's getting very good right now. Um. Well, since you're all behind, I won't spoil anything, but something something happens in this last issue that just makes me very curious as to um, what the future holds for our two main characters in the book. But overall, those that haven't been reading Saga do like Jordan, go get the trades. Uh, If for anything, Fiona Staples art is the most gorgeous art I've seen in books in a while. Uh, this last one's no exception, and um, Saga's good stuff. too for people that uh, don't really read a lot of comics. I know um, I buy it in trade as well. My wife reads it, and she doesn't read very many comics, but she'll read Saga. So, yeah, and it, it, it's set in like a it's it's a space opera in yeah, a way. I think but we not. did like what it's the first two trades on the on the LOD. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, another great good. image book that I don't think enough people are reading is Starlight. Have you guys checked that out at all? Mark Miller and uh, Goran Parlov. No. no. Um, the premise is that you know there's this guy who's like you know Flash Gordon Buck Rogers type, but he you know gives all all you know the life of being a space hero up to come back to Earth to you know marry the one girl he loves. Um, she dies, and he's like in his sixties now, and he ends up going back into space. And teaching this younger kid to like get, so that he can get revenge on these evil space guys who wiped out his family and stuff. Um, the art is by Goran Parlov. I'm really not familiar with him before this, but it, it I don't know. What do I know but, that uh, name It's from? really, the art in this is great. I love it. Um, the story is really cool too. I think it's the best thing I've read by Mark Miller in, in quite a while, probably since Secret Service. Um, but yeah, I think it's only like four or five. five no, I've issue five, so five issues in, and um, it, it's just a cool premise and a good good story, and the the art is really great too. And speaking of great art, I really really have to shout out. I don't know if you guys are Godzilla fans at all, but Godzilla Cataclysm by Cullen Bunn and our friend Dave Wachter. Holy shnikes, dude! It's some of the best Godzilla art in any comic I've ever seen in my life, and I'm not not just saying that because you know Dave Wachter's a friend. He's I'm also a fan. Um, if you are, if you're a Godzilla fan, you should check this out. It's just beautiful, beautiful stuff. 
And he really does like the fight scenes cool. well with the monsters. And then it kind of the storyline is more about you know, the, the lives of the people trying to live in the shadow of these giant fights that keep going on in their neighborhood, but you know, among kaiju. Um, but I mean, Dave draws the people and the, the monsters both incredibly well. And the, it's just like, I defy anyone to open the, the first big splash page or double page splash in that, uh, book and not be impressed. It's just beautiful, beautiful art. So Godzilla Cataclysm. And I, I, that sounds awesome. And Jordan Gorin Parlov, you probably recognized him because he's the one that would do the fill-in art on Why the Last Man. Uh, That's probably why I recognize the name. Yep, I do remember that. Sounds sounds right. But those are, and if you like hard sci-fi, I know I'm, I'm keep throwing titles out there. I'm sorry, but if you're into hard sci-fi, um, <laughs> there's a really no, great no. book that just came out called Roche Limit. I don't know if you're into that, uh, if you've heard of that or not. Um, let me make sure I've heard of his name's right. It's, um, I haven't it's seen an image, anything. It's an image book. It's uh, Michael Moresi and uh, Vic Malatra. Uh, it's R-O-C-H-E, Roche Limit. And it, it basically is a, um, a, a colony set up uh, near an anomalous black hole in which, you know, it kind of has like odd properties like time doesn't, work the way it does in the rest of the galaxy there and things like that plus there's an, a mineral there that's mined for uh, a street drug that's only available because of the anomalous location of this colony it's just like really deep detailed uh harder sci-fi story but it's also kind of like sci-fi noir it has kind of a blade runnery feel because it is our firefly because it is an outpost in this like odd location and uh um, you know, like the, like I said, the, the, um, the mining, uh, the mineral for the drugs. And it's got like, also has, uh, Jonathan Hickman style, like, um, graphics to show you, like, where the planet is in relation to this anonymous, anomalous black hole and stuff. Um, it, it's a really cool book and I really, I really dug it a lot. The, the art reminded me very much of like, uh, like Mobius or even, uh, uh Jeffrey Darrow. Uh, just really, really nice stuff. Um, yeah. uh, Rocheland, that's by image as well. So. I've been getting a lot of non-big big two stuff lately. And you said it It just we, came yeah, out. I just got it. I, I it's in my queue from just a week or two ago, so it must have just come out. Yeah, only the okay. only the first issue is out. So I think it was maybe two weeks ago it came out. That That sounds like something I'd really enjoy, so I'll yeah. have to check that out. Well and what you're talking about, Image having a lot of great books lately, you know. I mean I'm still up on Lazarus. I don't know if you yeah. guys are oh, yeah. that. Um, especially this last issue, it's, I mean, the first story arc of Lazarus was great. I mean, fantastically great. The second story arc, it just felt like it, it was, uh, you know, a middle act. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It just didn't have as much oomph as the first, but when, with issue 11, it's like, it's almost like they're starting a new comic book in a way the arc i mean that we're we're getting we're not splitting time between different story uh characters we're focusing mostly on forever now and uh i've i it's just been fantastic and michael lark's art is just uh, he's at the top oh, of absolutely his game. i've been a fan of lark since his run on daredevil i mean um yeah so Definitely. good stuff yeah like i said the image is really i've been really impressed with the stuff they've been putting out lately a lot of the stuff they've been putting out lately you know have any of you been reading The Wicked and the Divine? No, I haven't. Have you? Because I, I would like yeah, to hear about I, uh, that. I guess it's what up to four or five issues now. Yeah, I heard it's good. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. 
Um, and I should say I haven't read. Is it called Infogram? Phonogram. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I saw the word infographic in my no, head. That's cool. I've read Phonogram. That's why um, I was in, and I read their Young Avengers stuff. So I was that's why. Yeah, I, I love their Young Avengers, and I'm gonna have to go check, go back and check out Phonogram. But um, so the same art style you'd expect from those two books. Um, this time, instead of I, I know a little bit about Phonogram, just a tiny bit, but instead of music, it's gods and you know ancient gods, uh, Baal, uh, Lucifer, uh, not Imhotep. That's a, that was a pharaoh, but you know various gods from various pantheons returning to Earth in the bodies of twenty somethings. Apparently, this happens like once every hundred years or so. Um, I say we're so because while I am enjoying the book, I like the characterization, um, I like the art, I like the writing, in terms of the actual overall world, I don't feel like I understand it still. Like, and it could be just one of those things where I keep reading and it'll be explained eventually, but when it comes to the overall world and how much the world understands about this and how it happens every hundred years and all that kind of stuff, I don't feel like I really get it. That said, I'm enjoying it enough to keep reading it, I just wish... They do a little bit more uh, meta scale, grand scale world building. Yeah, Phonogram was interesting. It was like if record geeks were actually wizards. Uh, right. right. <laughs> so, I'd like to. I've been hearing. I've been hearing interesting things about that. I've been wanting to check that uh, that uh, book out. So. Yeah, I, I'd recommend it. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan of McCarthy's really? art. To be honest with you, yeah, I'm just. I'm. I, See, not only I'm do I like not. how clean it is, but I like the layouts. And he hasn't been doing as much of that here as he did in, say, Young Avengers, where some of those layouts were super important and intricate and just really cool. But I don't know. Is there something about it in particular that you don't like? I I guess, and I say that, maybe if it wasn't superhero stuff, I would, I would like it more. But I know he did the art on the, what was it, X-Men Season 1, the, the graphic novel. And I didn't like it the 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 Young Avengers stuff, but it's just it, I I don't know I, it, like it's almost Steve Dillon ish. I I see what you mean, and and I, that's probably what I mean by but, cl- uh, clean. But it doesn't have the same face problem. It's the for faces. Me. No, no, that yeah, I mean that's the Dillon problem. But just the way I I don't know. There's like a lot of teeth showing. I don't I don't know. There's just something about the way the way it's very minimalist. Is it he or is it she? Uh. Oh, that's a good question. I don't actually know. Jamie McKelvey. Um, for me, it's it's very clean, and that might be the same thing you're saying, just a problem. But he he uses very few lines to draw a face. You know, it's it's you know this is the outline. These are the important features. But he's not going to give you a bunch. There's no like cross hatching or you know it's as very un 90s as you can get without going back to necessarily like a Ditko or something. Um, it, it's yeah. it's kind of got that retro feel in its cleanness. It's you know solid colors, um, solid shapes, but more modern than say like a Mar- uh, Marcos Martin or a Javier Polito or something, which I love their art as well. But this is this is kind of a, a different curve off that a different branch. Kind of like same a, tree. like Mike Allred. You know, it's, it's got that retro feel bit. to it. That, yeah. and I understand what, but it doesn't have that cartoony. Yeah, that's feel. true. I understand what Russ is saying though that sometimes the. You know the faces can look kind of samey at some points or whatever, but I don't know. He does a lot of cool stuff with graphic design and with you know like messing with the like in Young Avengers when they were in that nothing universe, the way he messed with the page and the negative space and everything. I thought that was really kind of th- or Novar infiltrating that nightclub. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that you know he did a lot yeah. of really cool things there. So um, 
speaking of all red though has anyone else been reading silver surface yes i have no yes i've only read the first two but i i have them and I'm um jim what do, what do you think about I, it? i like i'm a big Allred fan so i like it so this book is doctor who in the marvel universe and i love it hmm. it is Absolutely. you know the silver surfer is the doctor um to me which by the way we, his board has a name now it's to me as in to me my board and it is the tardis and don greenwood is his companion and it is so much fun this is, and I mean, Doctor Who has had many um, different feels, even, you know, from episode to episode, sometimes even scene to scene. This is not scary Doctor Who. This is fun and wondrous Doctor Who, and done so well. Um, I would have loved to see, actually, Dan Slott write a proper Doctor Who book now because of this. But it is just, yeah. it is just fun. I, I can't explain it any other way. Like, Doctor Strange and the Hulk show up later on. Um, those are the only two major Marvel characters I think we've seen. It's mostly been a lot of new stuff. Do you, but do you follow Dan Slott on no, Twitter? No, I do not. I, oh, actually, well, I may. Yeah, I may. Yeah. I just I'm on Twitter so rarely that it's. <laughs> yeah, every third tweet is something about Doctor Who. He's probably the biggest Doctor Who fan in the world, and it shows through. Oh, his okay, got you. <laughs> and I wonder if he could take it in a scary direction at some arc in the future, and maybe do some of the creepy Doctor Who, especially as in I know this is not our uh, really BS show, but uh, or, or really BS, but Doctor Who this season's been super creepy. Like they've been really doubling down on the creep factor, yeah. and I love it. So I'd like to see his take on that um, aspect of the show as well. This last episode was took me a little out of it, though. But I would love to see Dan Slott write Doctor Who episodes. That would be episodes. cool. <laughs> they don't let Americans do that very often, though, I don't think. But it would be cool. I like uh, Mike Allred drawing weird space aliens and outer space stuff. So, Oh, absolutely. Especially with... The, what was that planet called? Oh, yeah. the, in the beginning? The, uh, the, yeah, the yeah. giant uh, amalgamation planet. Yeah. Um, the planet where everything was right. possible or impossible at the same time or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, just cool concepts. Yeah, He's the perfect guy to be drawing this book. Although I don't know how he could get across the creep factor. I'm trying to think if I've read anything by him that was particularly creepy that he drew. Nothing's popping to mind, but I, I I heartily recommend Silver Surfer to anyone who's a Doctor Who fan, or even anyone who's not and just likes smart all red art, or who just likes a Silver Surfer, or who just likes fun. Damn it! If you like fun, check out this book. I have a question for you, Jordan, because I think that you read this as well. Um, what is your take on where Invincible's been going lately? I read Invincible like one through seventy-five, and oh, I thought you'd read were reading it too. Okay. Oh, I'm behind, and it wasn't like I it wasn't like I fell out of love with the book. It was just like I read one through seventy-five in the period of like two weeks, maybe, and then it was just like, all right, I need to take a break, and that break hasn't ended yet. Does anybody else read Invincible? Oh, oh. No, not for a long time. I am way behind. Yeah, I, it's it's. I'm starting to really lose interest. It's it's almost like Kirkman's so busy with Walking Dead and everything else that maybe this is just something like he writes while he's on an airplane ride or something because it's very phoned in. Huh. So. But yeah, I thought I thought you'd been reading it, Jordan. Nope, I'm behind. A book I know we both read, though, would be uh, Spider-Man, and seeing as Edge of Spider-Verse is kicking the high gear right now, uh, what what are your thoughts on Edge so specifically? Good. I mean, we can talk about uh, Amazing as well, and Learning to Crawl and all that, but Edge of Spider-Verse in particular. 
I think Edge of Spider-Verse is pretty awesome, but at the same time, I'm kind of... I don't know, I guess because I'm reading so many books at once, I'm kind of confused as to, to its place in, in the Marvel Universe. Is it an alternate storyline? Okay, so for anybody who doesn't no, it... know, um, in the Superior Spider-Man, so this is back when Dr. Octopus was um, in Peter Parker's body, he got whisked away for a period of time. Um, and in, our, in, in the 616, I think it was like an hour or two weeks or something like that. But yeah. No, yeah, it was like an for, hour, a couple then hours. It was a couple hours yeah. for everybody else. For him, it was like two weeks then. And yes. so now we got two issues of the Superior Spider-Man that tell you what happened during that period. And, and those have been great. And then you're also getting the series, I think it's a five-issue limited series, called Edge of Spider-Verse, which is different peaks into different alternate universes. Some of them, or maybe just one of them so far, a previously existing one, that was Spider-Man Noir. And then the other four are all different. Um, you had Gwen Space, Gwen Stacy, Spider Woman. You had um, the really creepy one that came out this past week, which was like an evil Peter Parker. Um, I haven't read that one yet. I, I won't get it. It's not even Peter Parker, but it's it's just what's the most horrific um, EC Comics pulp horror version of Spider Man that could exist? That's it. Um, you had the mm-hmm. one written and drawn by Dustin Weaver, which was kind of the Spider Man meets Akira book and then the next issue is written by Gerard Way making I believe his Marvel Comics debut um, telling kind of a anime-esque Spider-Man from what I understand but like modern anime more mechy is the the impression I get of it I I know very little about it because I don't want to spoil myself on it because I really like Gerard Way's writing in general but um, it's been for me it's been solid all across the board some of them have been better than others um, what are your thoughts on the ones you've read so far? Uh, any, I mean, have any of you read it other than Rich and myself? Okay, so what are your thoughts on, on the different issues we've gotten so far? I really like it. I mean, I've read I read um, Edge of Spider-Verse 1 and 2, and I've I read both issues. Which was Noir and Spider-Woman, I believe? Yes. Okay. Yes, and I read both issues of Superior. And I just like that they're taking the slice of time that was almost a throwaway happening in Superior Spider-Man and saying, this is what happened in that one hour or that two hours or whatever it was. And it's this whole adventure that we get with uh, with Doc Ock again. You know, that that's just because I it's it's amazing how they no pun intended, but that they did what they did with Spider-Man and, and make doc, Dr. Octopus inside Peter's body, which I think it's one of those, if you to give somebody the sales pitch on that, they probably would punch you in the face. Oh, it's super goofy. Just handled. Really yeah. Well. But it was so, so Again, well done. Kudos to um, Dan and so the fact, yeah, exactly. So the fact that we get more of that is awesome. Like I'm, and these two issues have really been humanizing Doc Ock even more. Yeah, it's making me really enjoy the character more than I ever have. But I guess my original question, more to put it better, is: is this leading to bringing those other Spider characters into the six one six? Well, it's leading to the actual event Spider Verse, which is going to be the Spider Family versus the I don't even know what they're called, but Morlins Family. Morlins, yeah. Um, and which I, that was cool because a lot of people like when that first guy in the diving helmet showed up and like, oh, so it's Moreland. And I was like, I don't think they'd hide his face. Now, granted, I was wrong with the Norman Osborn thing Me in too. Superior, but I don't think they'd hide his face if it was Moreland because that's really super obvious with everything that's going on with um, Cindy Moon over in Amazing Spider-Man and stuff. 
Um, but to make it that there's a much bigger picture with Moreland than we thought was really, really neat. I don't know where it's leading, but it seems to be a spiders versus animal-eating vampires fight, for lack of a better term. Because they're not really vampires, but they are at the same time. Yeah, they, they're vampires for the spider totems. Well, for all the animal totems, they're just really into spiders right now. Oh, okay. Or at least, at least Moreland, my, my memory of Moreland in JMS's Amazing Spider-Man run was he would attack people of various animal totems to get their energy because it was more powerful than just, like, draining a horse. If you could find a horse-based superhero, you know, you'd get, like, major, major power out of that. So he was simply after the spider totem at this point. Gotcha. And apparently he's still after it because he never got it when he was looking for it. Well, I guess he got Ezekiel, I think. It's been a while since I've read that. But um, he, he's back, and his whole family's back, and apparently they're really fixated on spiders at this moment. At least that's my memory of it. It's been a long time since the JMS run. But anyway, you were saying, Rich, um, on your thoughts on the on the run. Oh, on the Spider-Verse? Russ was. I'm sorry, <laughs> Russ. Russ, not Rich. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, too many R's. It's just it's really good. I mean, again, it's kind of in my wheelhouse too. Alternate versions of you know characters that we know and slightly different takes and you know things like that. I love that we get the old man Logan, Spider Woman. You know the the grand, I guess Peter Parker's granddaughter. It was Peter Parker and who who else was her other side of the family? Wasn't it Hawkeye's daughter and Peter Parker's granddaughter or something? Uh, he. Or, no, something like that. He was, he was married. No, they were. Hmm. Hawkeye was. It in, is Hawkeye's daughter, isn't it? No, it's. I think Hawkeye was in. Yes, it is. I'm sorry, you're right. It is Hawkeye's daughter, um, because he ended up mar- getting. He ended up getting into a relationship with Peter Parker's daughter. Right, and I remember, okay, in, which is yeah, not creepy, at which all. was a little weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, they never really kind of explored that whole lineage, but but yeah, but anyway, so I just I just thought that was cool. I mean, anytime you go back to Old Man Logan, I mean that's it's pretty much every Spider character ever, except for a few that they either aren't using for specific reasons or can't use for legal reasons. I haven't seen Peter um, Porker yet. I believe he's coming. I really? So. I believe I saw. Wow. That. Yeah. They say. Oh yeah. They say every Spider Man ever. Like it will be every incarnation. Of Spider-Man. Even like the Twinkies. What ads, about Spider-Man. what about from the Electric Company, where he just he didn't speak; he only thought and yeah. only had thought. Um, I believe that's one of the ones. I believe that's one of the ones they said specifically they can't use legally. Well, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to read it then. Um, Morgan Freeman though will be showing up. No, <laughs> forget it. Forget it. Now I I got a little bit of flack, and and I I I mean this very. Uh, loosely a little bit of flack but for my thoughts on the Gwen Stacy issue in that I'm a little baffled by the fan reaction to it in that everyone is that I've seen and granted there's always detractors but the over overwhelming majority of people I've seen reacting to the book are head over heels in love with it best things since sliced bread you know they build a better mousetrap etc so forth I thought it was good I don't understand why everyone's going so gaga over it. For me, it's just Barbara Gordon in the Marvel Universe. The The first three pages were incredible. The Pretty much the previously on Spider-Woman stuff yes. that they had, I thought was great. And I was like, okay, where are they going to go with this? 
And then it was just David Gordon in the Marvel Universe, which was fine, but nothing blew me away. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I don't know about Barbara Gordon in the Marvel Universe, but um, because I did enjoy it a lot. But I'm with you. I don't understand all of this outpouring of love for this character from an alternate universe off of one issue. I mean, the interwebs are going crazy for it. And I get it, it's a strong, non-sexualized female character, and that's great, and I support that. It was just that the issue itself didn't blow me away in terms of what was there. I would read an ongoing if they had a good story to tell. I like the character, I like the costume, but there wasn't really much to it. It, Like, I could have told you exactly what was going to happen in pretty much all that issue. Aside from, like, Daredevil being the kingpin and, you know, Rhino being whatever he was, like... The story beats were very rote and very predictable, aside from those first three pages where I was like, now that's the story I want to read. Give me that story because that's different. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's funny you say that, Jordan, because I've, I've listened to other podcasts and just looking at things, you know, just on Facebook and other places. And yeah, people are head over heels in love with this book. And I'm like, it was really good. It was solid and I enjoyed it, but I, I wouldn't put it in my, top 10 or top 15 books of the year. I mean, it wasn't like no. that good, but, but it was good. And like I said, I, I'm not knocking it. Like, like exactly. we're all saying it was good. I would read an ongoing of that character. If you had a good story, this was just a very average story with very pretty art. And I like the costume yes. and I like the character and I like the idea. Just, you know, Barbara Gordon and commissioner Gordon only with Gwen Stacy and captain Stacy you know, we already have Barbara Gordon, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily need that in the Marvel Universe. If you have something more to tell me with that character, though, awesome. You know, give me a ring. <laughs> I agree. Um, I also didn't love the Dustin Weaver one. As much as I love his art, it was it was a very good, um, what's the word I'm looking for, homage to early 80s Japan-influenced sci-fi. And I'm not really into that. that. So if you're into that, you'll probably love it. And I liked elements of it. I liked the use of the Marvel trading cards from the different years. Um, I love the art. But at the same time, it was also kind of predictable and a little boring for me because it fell into that, that, you know, idea of the early 80s um, Japan-influenced sci-fi, which, again, if you like that, you'd probably love this, because it really feels like How could you not, not really like early 80s Japan-influenced sci-fi? <laughs> Come on, Jordan. I mean, you can pretty much just stop at the how could you not like early 80s-inspired Ooh. anything, and that's pretty much me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of that uh, era Ouch. in general. But uh, the 80s and 90s, I don't get the nostalgic love for them because most of it was terrible. And I say that as a person who... That's cold water you're swimming in, son. (laughs) So since we're BSing about comics, I have a question for everyone. Because while we're sitting here, I'm reading an article on comic book resources about the 75 most memorable moments in the Marvel Universe. What would would your most memorable moment be in the Marvel Universe? Death of Jean Grey. beating Thanos? Born Again... Daredevil born again, and Thanos killing everybody off in Infinity Gauntlet. Because when that came out, we had no real, you know, no idea how they were going to bring that back. And I'd probably put Secret Wars four, and the first, the first, yeah, Death of Gwen Stacy, Wolverine mini, um, 
Russ. Wolverine killing Jean uh, on the on uh, Asteroid yeah, M, maybe? That but might be top 20. I don't know. Yeah. Be number one. Death of Gwen Stacy is a good one. Well, too, like Jordan said. Yeah. Well, I'll give you the, the top five. To me, my Galactus. Yeah. To me, my Galactus FF4, is the top, FF4, the top five. Yeah. The top five are number five is uh, Frank Miller killing off Elektra in Daredevil 181. I can see that. Number four is Amazing Fantasy number 15, mm-hmm. which okay. I agree with that. I'd say important more than memorable. It's a pretty average story. It's important. Um, but... Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and George Russo's Avengers number four when they resurrect Cap. Well, that was important 30. to pull the Golden Age uh, properties from Marvel Comics into the Silver Age, so that was pretty significant. Yep. Number two is the death of Jean Grey. And number one is the death of Gwen Stacy. Hmm. Interesting. But I wonder how much that's influenced by the movie. Yeah, this it looks like it, they had uh, mem- members Spoiler. of the um, <laughs> comic book resources website vote on these. So I'm reading through it. So check that out because there's some cool stuff. It actually shows a lot of the art from... The moments and everything. Yeah. So, mine—I guess mine would probably be Giant Size X Men number one. I mean, just the the fact that they took a dead title and that issue brought that back and created a franchise that, um, you know, in the that that just catapulted Marvel to in in that property. It was so funny because when I was a kid, I read X Men ninety four. And I could never find a copy of Giant Size X-Men number one. And for years and years and years, I wanted one because I never got to read it until much later in reprints. But I remember X-Men 94 when they killed off Thunderbird. And I had never, I mean, I was a little kid reading that. I was probably like eight or seven, eight years old. I didn't realize that guys in comic books could die. And it it kind of blew me away. And then later, just a few years later with Jean Grey, I mean, her being such a huge character you know, a major part of the book and, like, her sacrificing herself like that, that really, like, stuck with me. Like I said, I must have been, like, nine or ten years old when that came out, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely, at the time, it was it was huge. Now Nowadays, I mean, Jean Grey dying is, you know, it's happened quite a few times. <laughs> but, right. This, this may be a dumb Twice. question, but have they ever brought the original Thunderbird back or has it always been his brother since no. then? Yeah, they've never brought him back. Yeah, since Bucky, they brought back Bucky. He's the longest uh, dead kind of major character in the Marvel Universe. I mean, aside from, like, Gwen Stacy, but I mean, like, of, like, superheroes. I'm saying of actual superheroes. Like, he may be the longest one dead who was kind of big. But I didn't have any of the context going into uh, X-Men 94. I just thought they were the X-Men. You know what I mean? I didn't know there was an older team until, you know, I read along with the, the story, but... Yeah, it was pretty pretty important, pretty pivotal. And the Gwen Stacy thing, I mean, that when that happened back in you know in the Ramita, wasn't it Ramita? Was Ramita still doing the art? Yeah, I think so. Um, that was huge. That didn't happen in comics. Mm. People didn't die in comics, you know. So I could see why you know Death of Gwen Stacy would be number one. Plus, I mean, it added just a whole other level of pathos to the Spider-Man character, you know. And you brought up Galactus coming yeah. to Earth. Uh, that's number four. That's number fourteen on yeah, the list. Yeah, forty-eight. 
Go Kane. Oh, it was Go Kane and Spider Man. Yeah, it was Go Kane. Well, it says by Gil Kane and John Romita. Romita Pence. Uh, oh, okay. Anyway, that's interesting. What else is everybody? Anybody reading anything else? Anything else you want to talk about? I'm pretty BS'd out, but. I was going to say, are we BS? We're at, we're at over an hour, almost. Oh, one more, one more thing. One more. Oh, I said, go ahead. Well, you go. one other thing. Okay. Uh, my one more thing would be East of West continues to be awesome. I'm so behind. Um, uh. Everything with, and I don't think this will spoil it because you'd have to know exactly what I was talking about to be spoiled, but uh, everything with Babylon in the balloon is terrifying and awesome. I've got to get um, caught up. I know that's like the most bizarre sentence ever if you're not reading the book, but Babylon in the balloon, I went back and forth reading that issue between this is the coolest thing ever and this is just incredibly creepy. But both at the same time. So if you if you are behind, you're gonna to want to check out East to West. It it's not letting up steam. It's just getting better and better and better. I I heard they're gonna do a hardcover collection. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe it's wishful for East of West. Yeah. Well, I mean that makes sense. Usually, image. I mean, image usually isn't real big on the hardcovers. I mean, other than like Invincible. Walking Dead and um. Invincible, uh, but man, if they do a hardcover of that, uh, it's I'm I'm all over it. Yeah, looks like Midtown is showing it. It is a pretty book. Yes, it is. It's I mean, Dragota's art is just insane. It's just absolutely insane. That's one of those I haven't been reading that everybody's telling me I'm an idiot for not reading. Oh man, it's uh, so good. Rich, you are an idiot for not yeah, reading I need to it. Catch yeah, up. it is so good. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm too behind on that one. Uh, my one more thing, and this will this will be funny to anyone who's collected comics in the nineties. Um, uh, my friend Ed Pisker just put out these volume two of uh, Hip Hop Family Tree, which has been on the, the volume one has been on the uh, New York oh, Times nice. bestseller list along with The Walking Dead now for like months and months. Uh, and I've been it's, seeing a lot of chatter about book. it on Reddit, which it's is just so, it's exciting incredible. To see. Not only because of all the research and everything he did, but I mean, he did it to look like a treasury comic from the the early '80s, and he even used that stock of paper and that color scheme. So it's like holding a book from that period of time, telling that story from that period of time, but about rap stars. It's just amazing the work he's done on it. But the the funny and cool thing, and if you get the box set with Volume One and Volume Two. There's a foil-stamped ash can uh, edition, if you remember those from back in the 90s, back in the day, of, uh, of, oh, of yeah, Rob yeah. Liefeld and, and, and uh, meeting Eazy-E, because I guess they were fans of one another back in the day, and uh, there's oh, wow. about Rob Liefeld's uh, um, Levi's commercial and then him partying with Eazy-E, like the whole story, um, as a... done as an ash can edition that you would have found in, like, Wizard or Hero magazine in the in the nineties, um, with the, this foil stamp, the gold foil stamp cover. Um, um, it's, it's, it's hilarious and great. And, um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to plug that cause it, it's so cool. And it's great to see him have such success with that. And it's such a good book. Um, hip hop family tree volume two. Awesome. 
Is that a baby I hear? Yeah, probably. I've got a really good <laughs> microphone now, thanks to OD. <laughs> Can you hear the baby through the wall? That means it's time for Jim to wrap up, right? <laughs> I can tell by the baby on the wall. It's time. The old baby on the wall. It's time to stop. That's about. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I had. I think that was. That was I all. One more thing. That was really all I had. I'm gonna, you know, continue to slowly start catching up on Batman Beyond 2.0. I'm I'm still way behind on Injustice and. Uh, Justice I've been wa- I've been watching the Legion of Superheroes cartoon that was uh, that James Tucker produced right after they were done with Justice League Unlimited, and it's not bad. Like the f- the, se- the second season is better than the first, but um, the, it's it's definitely worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the Legion, comic book related. Yes, cool. So is that it? Are we are we BS'd out? I sure am. Reached our I'm good limit of I think BS. I am BS'd out. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to. This episode of Long Box of Doom, sorry it's been so long, um, but we've had plenty of content for you all to catch up on over at hhwlod.com. Um, lots of cool things. Jim's just started up and, and has it in full high gear, the DCTV podcast, uh, with, with an assorted cast of characters, and it's been a lot of fun to listen to them break down Gotham and uh, with Arrow and Flash starting up next week, we're, we're, or this week, I should say. The Flash uh, pilot is awesome, going everybody. On. So it really is great. I can't, I yes. can't wait for the series. Yep, yep. Um, but, yeah, you can check us out um, at hhwlod.com. You can check out the Facebook group um, for that we have for Long Box of Doom in the, in the Facebook page for that if you want to chat and post stuff so many great so many great shows on the network yet out now with Aaron and Abe with the weekly movie reviews uh the Ichapod Crane cast has been starting up with Aaron and Brandon covering uh Sleepy Hollow which I don't know if you guys are fan, uh, fans of but that show is pretty uh WTF awesome um also you know the Action Lab podcast yeah. we've got um uh the It's All Connected podcast covering Agents of Shield since it's part of the Marvel movie universe um just uh, we just had a really cool um uh, episode of PKD um, uh, Black Box uh, go up uh, where they're talking about the 50 best uh, R&B acts in the 90s. It was really interesting. Uh, Julie, Julian Lytle and uh, and uh, uh, Sean Pryor breaking that down uh, from the Complex Magazine list. Um, a lot of good con- a lot of good stuff on on the network. So check it out. Yes. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you could do so at nine seven two seven nine eight thirty eight thirty. And until next week, where or next time, I should say. Uh, where we will probably start getting back into either the Hickman FF run um, or finishing off finally after long, long, long delay, Lock and Key, which I know we're all anxious to to uh, put that one to bed. So we'll probably have a two-parter on uh, Alpha and Omega for Lock and Key. So look look out, keep an eye out on for that on the feed. So until next time, this is Russ for Jim, Rich, and Jordan. Uh, thanks for listening to Long Box of Doom. Later, folks. Have a good one, everybody.